another week, another episode of Remote Routine. Hello, my name is Ryan Geiger, your host. Thanks so much for joining. If you have just stumbled upon this podcast by pure accident, I hope you work from home because this is all about working from home uh, and uh, talking to professionals around the globe about their best tips on how to have a successful work from home life. I am pleased today to have Andrew Saunders from Hashflow. He's over in the West Coast. Andrew, thanks for joining the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So, Andrew, tell me about Hashflow. Um, you're uh, the the CMO over there, marketing it up. Uh, tell me about it. Tell me about your work from home life and um, how long you've been working from home. Yeah, so uh, Andrew Saunders, I'm the Chief Marketing Officer at Hashflow. Um, Hashflow is a decentralized exchange, so think a place to trade digital assets. Um, you know, the, the big ones that most folks are aware of are things like Bitcoin and Ethereum, but obviously we have HFT, which is our token. And then there's a lot of other tokens, you know, in the in the digital asset space as well. I have been at work from home for about six years. Um, work from home both at this company. Previously, I was the CMO of Arbitrum, which is uh, a layer two on Ethereum. And then before that, I worked from home at uh, at Amazon, where I worked as the uh, global head of entertainment and culture. Uh, but you're a, you're a work from home pro, man. <laughs> I'm a work from home pro. You really are. Uh, yeah. So so you've been working from home since since three years. Uh, six years, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so when COVID hit, you were like, "This is I've been home. I don't, I don't even notice." Yeah, nothing changed all that much for me. I think the biggest change I noticed was it, it did change for a lot of other people. Like for folks that hadn't worked from home, um, you know, a lot of the strategies that I kind of built and and perfected over the years, um, this was very foreign to them, right? So, you, I think you know one of the key things is when you're dealing with folks that are new to this, you have to give them a little bit of latitude and time to kind of level up and understand. Because I think. Your communications processes differ. Um, I think your desk and what's on it differs, but um, but I can you know I can talk about that. I mean, in terms of kind of what does my situation look like, I have I have three screens. Um, you know, one is my work computer, right, where I'm sending emails, I'm you know joining meetings and podcasts like this, um, you know, working on projects. Then I have a second screen uh, that literally is a social media feed all day, right? Because in uh, in Web three or crypto. Um, that is kind of the lifeblood of marketing. And so you need to stay on on top of kind of, you know, the sentiment of your customers and what's going on. And so you have to be able to react to things in real time. So I don't want that to distract from kind of my focus computer. And then because I do work in, you know, more of the financial services industry, I also have a third monitor that has um, that has basically the market on it, right? So I'm seeing different tokens, different digital assets, their current prices, what's happening from, you know, them going up to them going down so that I can also keep my finger on the pulse of, of what's happening in the market. So I think like um, the one tip I would give other folks is regardless of the industry you're in, you know, think about that. I mean, you can get a, a giant monitor, you can get multiple computers, but, you know, it, it definitely helps you focus by by uh, being able to compartmentalize different kind of aspects of your day to day. So I think that's a good tip. Um, and then the last thing that I would say is the way I've communicated for the past six years is also very different. So what I mean by that is um, I'm not physically with my team. My team is in the East Coast, the West Coast, Europe, you know, other parts of the country, uh, other parts of the world. And so you have to think a little bit sometimes about how to create more inclusive comms. So for example, on Slack, I have a team channel and 99% of all messages I send even to individual people on my team live on that channel. Why do I do that? So that everybody on my team knows what's going on. It, I have no problem with them listening to those voice messages that I send. I have no problem with them reading what I'm saying to someone else. 
And that also cuts down also on email forwards, BCCs, things like that. Um, and then I do have, you know, very specific channels on Slack for different things. If we have a launch going on, we've got all the comms in that channel so that folks in the main marketing channel aren't missing out on important things. I have another channel for, uh, for uh, articles, right? If we see competitive announcements, if we see things that can level up our marketing team, I share those, those live in a separate channel. But I think this notion of not just compartmentalizing your streams, but also compartmentalizing your comms, but in a way that's inclusive to everyone on your team is is definitely a, a huge hack that I've uh, used over the years and it tends to be very successful. Yeah. So, yeah. So Slack, now I see you on Slack. You can, you can, you can record your voice. Do you really utilize that feature? So a lot of people like, whether it's text messages or Slack, the first thing they say is, I hate this. Like, I hate it. And what I say to them is it is the most efficient thing ever, right? Because if I'm in between meetings or if I'm walking to my kitchen to get a glass of water, like time is money, right? I can literally press a button, send a message, say, hey, I just saw this on social. Can you react to it? Or, or hey, stream of consciousness, I have this great idea. Let me just put it out there. I know that someone's going to write it down. I know that someone's going to react to it. And so what's happened over time is, you know, sure enough, my team was resistant at first. And then now a lot of them send me voice memos because they realize it is that much more efficient and that much more time saving than sitting down and typing out something lengthy. Um, so yeah, I'm a I'm a huge uh, voice memo maxi, I guess is the is the term to use. Yeah. Now you learned you learned some skills because you're 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 probably a pro at it now. But in the beginning, didn't you waste time like going ah you know when you let when you back in the day when you would leave you know the girl of your dreams in high school a voicemail or something like that. And you re-record it a hundred times, or you leave your boss or whatever a voicemail and hit, you know, what did it press three to re-record or whatever? You re-record it a thousand times. Did you start that way? Or were you just like, I don't care how many us I say, I don't care how many times I stutter. I I just didn't care. Be, well, I'm I'm just I tend to be like a pretty authentic guy. So I just think we're all humans, we're all normal, like we all have our our flaws and fallacies. But I'll say the two things there. One is it's great practice, right? So if you are in meetings or, you know, I've done 5,000 person stage, you know, talks before, the more I talk, the more I catch that stuff. Cause I often, you know, I'll go back and listen to what I said. And so it actually helps me like improve my communication over time. The other, the other reason that I do it that I think is really important is, you know, I manage like multi-generational teams, right? I've got Gen Z's, millennials, Gen X's. I've managed folks, you know, 20 years, my senior I think a lot of times people can misinterpret text, like, because again, there isn't any emotion behind it, right? So if I send a message that might be pretty direct, but the tone of my voice is very positive and supportive, and I say, thank you so much at the end, they don't misinterpret it and think they're in trouble or think that I'm angry, right? So I think like that's that, you know, the joke I always use is when someone sends you something in all caps, like they're basically yelling at you. No, they just accidentally hit the caps button on their computer. And so I think voice memos, can also be like a huge benefit to culture. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely takes practice for sure. Yeah. I mean, think about think about it. If you if you go, you just so happen to miss a colleague for two weeks, just they're never on a call of yours. You can, you know, you can misinterpret a text from them or a stack from them or and but if you're constantly hearing their voice, then you can start to understand their cadence, their the how they say things and go, oh, I he's gotta be joking. This is this is definitely a joke. Exactly. So I should use the Slack voice feature, huh? Use the voice feature. It's, it's great. I mean, listen, the first thing that will happen is people will say to you like, who do you think you are? Why are you sending me voice? Most? It's the same thing like when you start using Calendly, people are like, oh, you're too good to coordinate with me. Like, 
no, I don't want to spend three hours sending times back and forth when I can create a Calendly, set the times I'm always available, set automatic breaks between meetings. So in, in crypto and web three, like Calendly, everybody uses it. So when I send a Calendly to someone, no one cringes, but you know, back in the day when I worked in big media, people were like, who does this guy think he is? And it's like someone trying to be efficient. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. When Calendly first came out, it was like, it wasn't like, it was instead of, um, yeah, I'm available from 10.30 to 3.30, it was like, put it on my calendar. And you're like, ew, put it on exactly. your calendar. But you're right. I mean, look, that what's incredible about that is you get to choose your preferred time too. It's not like you have to, you know, do whatever they say they can do. You get to actually choose your preferred time too. So Calendly is also a great, a great it's thing. It's not set to my, to your point, mine is not set to my entire day. Mine is set to a very specific window every day. And if those times have already been taken by my own team or by partners, it's not available. And it might mean you have to set a meeting a week out, but it also means like I'm controlling every minute of my day and I'm being that much more productive with my time, you know? Yeah. yeah. I love that. I love that idea of like, you know, you, you're dealing with so many different personalities and, and even generations that um, just a quick voice uh, recording will absolutely uh, clear the air in terms of any misinterpretation. They'll hear your cadence. They'll hear your inflection. They'll hear your your if you're being jovial and and uh, lighthearted. Um, I love it. I'm going to try it. I'll see how my team reacts to it. Um, Andrew, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Everybody out there, give give uh, Slack audio recordings a go. Give it a shot. Let us know in the comments if it uh, if it was a hit or it was an absolute. Uh, monstrosity of a, a, a trial. And uh, thanks. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me. Take care, buddy.